You may be seated. I am Ryan Jacobson. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and this is my son, Oliver. You want to say hi? Hi. Hi, everybody. Every night when we are laying down to go to bed, we have a certain ritual that we follow each night, um, as I'm sure a lot of you do. One part of our ritual is that we say some prayers every night. And when I found out that I would be preaching on Children's Sunday, I thought it would be a great idea to bring Oliver up here to help us uh, say the Shema this morning. The Shema is something that we say every night, and Oliver has been practicing really hard for about four weeks, saying this with strength and with power. Are you ready for it? Yeah? Yeah? All right, say it strong, kiddo. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Ve'ahavta et Adonai Eloecha, V'chol Levaka, U'v'chol Nafshaka, U'v'chol Meodecha, U'v'ahavta L'Reeka, Kamoka, Amen. Now in English, oh, we've got more. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. <laughs> thank you, thank you. You want to say hi to mom? Say hi, mom. You're on TV. Say hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. (laughs) We take that back. Mommy is watching from Montana right now, so she couldn't be here this morning. Good job, Oliver. Thank you so much. You can go back to Grandma. (laughs) So these words, the words that Oliver recited are words that are very familiar to us. Uh, Even without prompting, all of you stood up and Tried to say them with Oliver as he said them. These are things that are foundational to our hearts and to our faith here in this church. So much so that that first song that Daryl sang is a Daryl Smith original published about 10 years ago. (laughs) These words are for us a declaration. They're a declaration of our faith, a faith in the one God and who we believe that God to be. They are also a commitment to the sacred task that we have been called to individually and communally here in this church. We make these words foundational, of course, because of the way that Jesus treats them. But even before Jesus, the people of God found these words to be foundational. We have texts from the great sages debating the importance of various commandments. And in all of these debates, which get rather... um, I don't know, we've seen the political climate. They get, they, get real, they get real, real fast. It's almost taken for granted that the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Maimonides, or Maimonides, sorry, Maimonides, who is a later Jewish scholar, even says that these words hold the three most important things, the three most important texts within the Hebrew scriptures. First is that the Lord is God. Second is that the Lord is one. And finally, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. In each of the four gospels, 
We have an account of Jesus reciting or teaching or interpreting these words. In Matthew and Mark, Jesus is asked what the most important commandment is. Or in other words, how do you interpret the scripture? How does a faithful person embody their faith? And Jesus responds with the Shema. And in Luke, Jesus is asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life was a sort of idiom in Jesus' day, not meaning a distant heaven, but something more akin to the kingdom of heaven that is present now. How do I live in this kingdom today is the question being asked. Jesus again responds with the Shema. The Gospel of John doesn't contain the exact text of the Shema, but John has Jesus doing something that rabbis often did in their interpretations. Jesus essentially combines the Shema with another text, with the text to command uh, of love of neighbor. And during the final supper, Jesus gives his final instruction to his disciples and says, love one another as I have loved you. Now, all of you probably know that the version of the Shema that we recite here in this church on Sunday mornings is not the actual Shema. What we recite is a portion of the Shema combined with a text from Leviticus 19. This is what Jesus responds with in those synoptic gospels. This morning, I'd like you to hear the entire Shema. It's not too much longer, but I want you to hear the whole thing and some of the surrounding verses around it. So listen as I read to you from the sixth chapter of the book of words, as Jesus would have known it, Deuteronomy as we call it today. This first section is the introduction. These are the verses that precede the Shema. Now this is the commandment, the statues and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children May fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep his decrees and commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you, so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Now here's where the Shema actually begins. Hear, O Israel, The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your houses And on your gates. That's the entire Shema as it's traditionally recited. These are the words that our Hebrew brothers and sisters have for thousands of years repeated multiple times each day. The words that Jesus himself would have repeated several times a day. And you can hear in these words why it is so often repeated. If you notice the verbs in this text... Keep these words today. Recite these words to your children. Talk about them. Keep them. Teach them. Talk about them. In the intro section, it says to keep them so that your days are long, so that your children and your children's children remember, so that your people flourish in a land that flourishes. Keep them. Teach them. Talk about them. 
finally, listen to this. This is how the chapter of Deuteronomy ends. When your children ask you in the time to come, what is the meaning of the decrees and the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your children, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord displayed before our eyes great and awesome signs and wonders against Egypt, against Pharaoh and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land that he promised on oath to our ancestors. Then the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our lasting good, so as to keep us alive as is now the case. If we diligently observe this entire commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, we will be in the right. Does anybody notice anything about these three passages? You notice where the focus is in them. There's certainly a focus on the commandments and the statutes, but in each of these three passages, children are mentioned. You and your children and your children's children. Recite these words to your children. When your children ask, the focus in all of this chapter is on the children. About a month ago, when we finished the sermon series on the first section of the book of Exodus, we finished with a discussion of the Ten Commandments. You might remember that we talked about the why of the commandments. We talked about an understanding of the kingdom of heaven that has three parts. First, God comes in power. Second, we celebrate the freedom that God gave us. And third, we listen to what God says. This listening part is the why of the commandments. The listening part of the kingdom of heaven is declared with this word Shema in this chapter. This is where our lives are truly transformed where we are transformed more and more into the likeness of our God that sets us free. You may see in this pattern that our own Methodist understanding of the way of salvation is an echo of this idea of the kingdom. God works in our life proveniently to set us free. We say yes in justification to that freedom and we decide to join in God's mission. And finally, through sanctification, we listen to what God says. Grow in love of God and our neighbor. Now, allow me a little digression. In chapter 14 of Genesis, Abram is called Abram the Hebrew. This word Hebrew had not been used yet in the text up until that point, and it's used 31 more times in the Hebrew Scriptures, and not a single one of those times is there an understanding of what the Hebrew, what the word Hebrew actually means. We know that it doesn't refer to a place that Abram was from because he's from Ur of the Chaldeans. We know it's not the people group that Abram came from. Hebrew wasn't yet a recognized language. It doesn't describe any sort of vocation or profession that Abram could have had. The word Hebrew shows up and it's left to the reader to try to figure out and interpret what exactly this word means. There have been a few interpretations of the word over the centuries, but the meaning that the people called Hebrew seemed to center on is this. One who crosses over. The word for Hebrew, the word Hebrew may be related to the word for crossing 
or passing over, for moving across a boundary. Abraham, in beginning his journey into the land of promise, had to cross over the river Euphrates. And it was in this crossing that Abram's willingness to pass a very real boundary and into the unknown future of God was made evident. This was Abram's yes to freedom and his commitment to continue walking on the path, the beginning of Abram's own path of sanctification. And as we explore the subsequent history of the Hebrew people, there are several instances in which a moment of significance happens in a crossing over. Jacob crosses over back towards Ur after deceiving his father and his brother. And then he crosses back into the land. And when he crosses back in, he encounters and wrestles with God. The people of Israel are called to cross through the Red Sea. Ruth, the Gentile Moabites, crosses over the Jordan to join the family of the people of God. To be a Hebrew, to be one that crosses over is to leave the world that you've always known behind and to engage in the new path and task that God has given you. It's to leave the narrative that you know and to embark in a new story, in a new mysterious journey. And it's to do this crossing over again and again and again. So did you catch the language of the first verse that I read? Chapter 6, verse 1. These are the words that God gives you before you cross over. This is what you need to know. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to remember when the world changes. This is what's going to happen when you join the mission of God. Shema. Keep these words. Teach these words to your children. Talk about these words today. Verse 6 says, keep these words today in your heart. In chapter 5, Moses says, these words of the covenant are not words that God gave to our ancestors, but they are words that God gives us today. When we say the Shema, the Shema is just not a singular word from the past. Instead, it's a present imperative given in every single one of our recitations. Love today. Recite today. Teach them today. Bind them, fix them, write them today. This is why the author of Deuteronomy makes the assumption in verse 20 that the children will ask about these words. They're hearing them over and over and over. These children didn't experience the same liberation that their fathers and mothers did the generation before. They didn't actually witness that great deliverance, the wonders and the plagues sent on Egypt or the splitting of the sea. So they'll need some kind of marker as they move forward. Something that reminds them of the deliverance that was given their people. The right way to respond to it. When you go forward to chapter 8, Moses says to his people, When you cross into the land that was promised you and take the cities that you did not build, take the cisterns that you did not cut, take the fields that you did not cultivate, remember these words. Remember who gave your fathers and your mothers freedom. Remember the covenant that will make your days long and your land fruitful. Keep these words. Recite these words. Teach these words. Talk about them. The marker for those children that cross over the river 
was the way that their parents lived. That generation that came before, those people that keep and teach and talk about these words today. Deuteronomy is concerned with a legacy. A legacy that's about living in such a way that every new generation asks the question, why do you live the way that you live? What gives you such love? These words are the final instructions. The last guidance before the journey of Israel crosses into a new land. Those that crossed over into Jordan and into the land were not the ones that were delivered. They were the children of those people, but they're charged with their today. Those that end up inhabiting and settling the land a generation later will not be the ones that even cross the Jordan. But they too will be charged with their today. We, generations later, are still charged with our today. We're charged with listening, with loving, with keeping, with teaching, with talking about these words. We're here today in this room or watching online because we have crossed over. We have in some way joined the mission of God. And we're called to join that mission over and over again, to continue to cross over again and again. Our task is to live today listening to the words of God, keeping them, teaching them, talking about them. When things change and when we embark on a new journey, we live these worlds today, and in so doing, we give our children today. One final note. When Moses spoke these words, he wasn't teaching a parenting class. These were not just words for the parents in the room. These words went out to the entire people. These words were imperative on the entire community. Some of you in this room have children that you teach and you disciple daily. But hear this, your children are not your only children. And some of you don't have your own children. But hear this, you have mine. You have the children of this church. You all have the children of our community and our city. So listen. Keep these words today. Teach them to your children. Teach them to my children today. Go and talk about them today when you go and eat lunch, when you lie down for your nap, and when you rise again. Find them on your hearts and display them in your homes and embody them today. Now will you all please stand and recite with me the prayer that we pray in each of our services here. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the story of God told for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.